afternoon, Tea Talks people. Hello! My name is Seth Johnson, you see him pronouns. And I'm Olivia Grace Murphy, she, her, hers pronouns. And welcome back to Tea Talks. Woo-woo! Put the jingle in here, Seth. Okay. <laughs> So we have a very special uh, Tea Talks episode a here very today. very special episode. Um, before we get started, though, we do like to thank Theater Jones, who hosts our platform for Tea Talks. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Great. So let's introduce our guests for this evening. Perfect. Let's just go around the room and say what you're drinking, uh, what your pronouns are, and we'll go ahead and get started. Yep. Hello. My name's Debbie Regsegger. I'm sipping on some lovely green tea with honey right now and an adorable little mug with blue, blue little tiny flowers on it. Um, I am a uh, photographer and actually did the photos for Tea Talks. Mm-hmm. Which are incredible. Yeah. yeah. It was really fun. We set up a cute little tea party in my sunroom. It was very, very posh. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in uh, more photography, shameless plug, Debbie, go. Okay. <laughs> Debbie Regsager Creative, everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has a story to tell. And your pronouns. She, her, hers. Awesome. Wonderful. (laughs) What are you drinking, Liv? Uh, I am getting seasonal, and I'm doing the peppermint tea. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, switching it up. It's not Thanksgiving yet. Peppermint is year-round. Peppermint is all of the colder months. You know who ruined it? (laughs) Candy canes. Candy canes have ruined peppermints for everyone. This is true. Now it's strictly the holiday winter seasons. Back in the 1800s. Don't get me started on that. (laughs) I I also, this is, what what day of November is it? The 10th? 10th. 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 I'm probably going to put my Christmas tree up this week and... Oh my gosh. Wow. I, it's, You're one of those. See, I, I, never, I never have been. I never have been, but it seems like it's a Texas trend. Like, in Florida, no one even thinks about it until after Thanksgiving. But I, I've seen so many people, either on social media or people talking about it at work, like, yeah, put my Christmas tree up. And honestly, I want to extend the joy a little longer. Yes, yeah, I think we just all kind of need it. Uh, I I need a little Christmas right this very minute. I, <laughs> I start rehearsals tomorrow for our Christmas show, so I will be waiting <laughs> as long as I can. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> and this invisible oh. voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one being real snarky. Uh, sorry. Um, I'm Marianne Galloway, and I'm an actor, director, writer, Mother, I don't know. Superhero. Not. <laughs> I disagree, but okay. <laughs> Any pronouns? Uh, yes. Now I'm older, so this is hard for me. She, hers, mine? Yeah. Tell me. Is that right? Is that all of them? I mean, you're good. I yeah. usually just do he, him, but you can do she, she her, hers. She, her, just... hers. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just she, her. Yeah. She, her. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. She, her. She, her. Perfect. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. I need, I need a little help from my friends. You know, I think we <laughs> all do. So it is. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, this topic is uh, invisible disabilities within our artists here in DFW. Um, and that can mean a whole lot of stuff. Um, so I guess I would just like to go around and say, what 
superpower do we have um, with these invisible disabilities? Um, for me, depression, AO, that's great. Uh, we won't talk about that too much since we already have another podcast on that. Go check that one out. Uh, Debbie, if you'd like to discuss. Oh, sure. Let me pull out my list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so mine's an autoimmune disease. It's um, a form of arthritis called ankylosing spondylitis. Ooh. I had to make a song in order to remember how to say it <laughs> because <laughs> when my doctor whipped out that word, I was like, okay, well, what is that? So we'll call it AS, um, but it's arthritis that um, it affects the spine and other major joints like your hands, your ankles, your knees, and your hips. So head, shoulders, knees, and toes, all of that. <laughs> Um, and some days I can run a lap around the room, um, also have ADHD, so I guess, yeah, so, you know, arthritis and being a really hyperactive person (laughs) goes together really well, but then other days I have to use a cane to walk, um, this was just a recent thing that started to affect me, um, whenever I started, um, uh, really approaching my, some of my theater trauma head on. Um, and so stress really, really affects my body. Um, and from there, um, I then began having seizures. Um, and then that was actually about exactly a year ago today. Um, I started going through, I had some adult bullies, you know, you figured that the, the bullies sort of stay in high school, but no, they don't. They grow up and they become leaders of things. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was in a, I was in a situation in which there, there wasn't a lot of protection for people who have to navigate the world differently. And then, um, so I'll show you all, the listeners won't be able to hear this, but because I have an autoimmune disease, it affects people differently. So I have now what's called alopecia areata, which I guess it isn't an invisible disability because I can show you what it does. So to describe it, I've got a huge bald patch on the top of my head. I've cut my hair in a way that you can't see it. I just look like a really cool, edgy girl. Thanks. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I mean, creating a safe place for people with disabilities or just creating a safe place for people in general, you know, is, is a really, really important thing, particularly as artists, because it's a very vulnerable, you know, art, you have to make yourself very, very vulnerable and choosing your collaborators is a really important thing. And when you're not creating a safe place for people who have to navigate the world differently, um, you could potentially be causing them long-term damage. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And well, so, and, and yeah. everybody's got something. Yeah. Everyone has something. Like, yeah. you may not know about it, exactly. but everybody's got something. Everyone's so, got a story for to real. tell. Yep, absolutely. So that's sort of all of my things in a nutshell. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, my, mine is a little shorter. I addressed most of it during our mental illness tea talks that we had earlier in the year. But since then, I have added to the list uh, bipolar type 2, which um, has been a great discovery for me and, again, triggered by stress a lot. Um, so if you are 
ever curious, I would say go to a psychiatrist, everyone, because that was very enlightening for me, finding out that I was misdiagnosed for about 10 years. So, fun! Yeah. Yeah. What were, if you don't mind my asking, what, what were you misdiagnosed as? Just generic garden variety depression, mm-hmm. um, which you treat very differently than bipolar yeah. type 2, which is bipolar that, ha- that swings more into depression versus bipolar that swings more into mania. Both types have both, really? but it's characterized with uh, different... The, the way you treat it is very different. And bipolar type 2 is frequently misdiagnosed as depression, but... Over-prescribing antidepressants can actually fling you into a worse depression, which is what it was doing with me. Whoa. Yeah. Really? So specifically wow. having the um, moods, it's called a mood stabilizer daily. Um, I am right now just weaning myself off antidepressants mm-hmm. altogether, and we're going to see what just that mood stabilizer life is going to be like. Right. So, but I mean, I ever since got, getting diagnosed, I think I'm on my fourth different... Uh, prescription right now uh-huh. just because it's every single person mm-hmm. is, is different and yeah, especially like it. bipolar it's so different because my mania is a lot of taking on different projects and not knowing how to say no and that just kept triggering it more and for me it's also um, cleaning and getting really have. nervous <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, but it's only the, the thing is, it's only when I'm really unhealthy though. Yeah. Like I will just like there was one night where I was cleaning the whole house and it was like two in the morning and my partner was like, "You need to come to bed." And I went, "I can't. I can't sleep." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so just that—that that is my sort of invisible, my new fancy invisible thing. But yeah, yeah. having a good doctor is everything. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Having a patient doctor yes. is everything. I had a doctor when I started having my seizures, and I was telling him about this. I, I, I feel like I was trained to feel bad about telling my doctors what I was feeling because a lot of them didn't believe what I was going through. Uh-huh. And I finally had a doctor that said, hey, listen, I'm your advocate, whatever you need. Amazing. And it was huge for me, mm-hmm. especially in the treatment. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's huge. So I'm glad you have that. Thank you. Yeah. Same to you. Thanks. Marianne. <laughs> right, so my laundry list. Uh, I also have um, anxiety, I, well, depression, mm-hmm. um, major depressive disorder, and... Um, Woot! Woot! <laughs> and... Uh, with and, and generalized anxiety disorder. Um, so I'm very fascinated to hear about this bipolar diagnosis because um, I'm like, oh, I also used to clean the house and also had a reputation for never saying no to anything mm-hmm. and taking on too much and having just insane amounts of energy. And then as I got older and the energy started to flag, because that happens, yeah, um, <laughs> that uh, I, would, I, would, I was just in a... a constant state of drinking coffee to try to get to my normal um and then i had a major depressive episode oh this isn't what this is about i'm sorry um that's a different talk um but uh yeah i actually was hospitalized in february um because of a a, a depressive disorder a, a depressive episode and um and it took them two weeks uh inpatient to be able to figure out what was going on with my meds. Mm. Um, and it's like, if you don't stay on top of it, like, it, it, it's 
devastating. It's debilitating. Oh, it is. Um, and and I think people who don't deal with depression or anxiety or you know anything in that in that family, um, they don't understand that like every day is different. Like, I, no, I'm not just a little bit tired. No, I'm not just mm-hmm. you know uh, not getting out of bed. It's it's. It's a it's a thing. Yeah. So anyway, that's not why I'm here to die. Yeah. Uh, I am deaf uh, slash hard of hearing. Um, I technically uh, would be identified as lowercase d deaf um, because in the uppercase d deaf community, uh, I am not quote unquote deaf enough. Um, so because uh, I, I'm not part of the capital D deaf culture, um, I function uh, primarily in the hearing world. I have hearing children. My husband is hearing. I don't use, I, I use sign language at home with my kids so that they learn it, but that's not my primary means of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, but, but to, you know, just when I, when I, don't have to talk about the politics of being deaf. Um, I just say that I'm deaf. Cool. So yeah, and I was uh, born with what's called a um, bilateral sensory neuro neural uh, hearing impairment, which basically means that um, my eustachian tubes are fried, um, and uh, I hear only. Vowels. Um, I fill in the blanks on consonants. Uh, I lip read like a champion, and um, I'm trying to think, is that that's everything? Oh, there is one more um, kind of invisible thing that is not uh, necessarily a disability, but um, my daughter was very recently diagnosed with autism, and I think being a parent period is <laughs> when you're trying to work in theater uh, a disability or a handicap of sorts that we don't say we're like no children are a blessing and they are but they also make it very very challenging to try to work um, especially when most of the people who are uh, in the position of hiring um, are not necessarily parents and so they don't necessarily uh, understand the challenges that you have to face. Um, so, uh, and then specifically being an autism mom is is its own thing that I'm newly starting to navigate. Huh. Wow. Yeah, that's my laundry list. I'm sure there's other things that I'm forgetting. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so before we started recording, something that I had asked our guest today was, is invisible, invisible disabilities an okay way of phrasing it? And your, your answers, please. To that. <laughs> oh, and, and what we had started to talk and go into, and then I went, no, 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 we'll save it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that that was fantastic because, like, uh, invisible disabilities is like a new phrase, and and I grew up, uh, I was born in the seventies, and and back then it was you were hearing impaired, you're impaired, you're impaired, and um, <laughs> so like I'd much rather have an invisible disability because it makes me sound like I have a superpower. <laughs> so I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me my cloak too. <laughs> and I'm still 
you know, new to, I guess, this part of our community. And um, I made sort of a joke of, wait, what, what phrase is supposed to offend me? I don't know. What am I supposed <laughs> to be offended by? <laughs> wait, can you call me that? Or can you not? Right. <laughs> so, like, I don't right. know. <laughs> I got to find out if I should be offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's like, yeah. there's, I've had a lot of people ask me that, they're like, what do, what, what do I say to you? And I'm like, I, you know, just, what, it doesn't matter. It, yeah. To me, to me, I am one individual uh, with this, and it, to me, it does not matter. The thing that matters to me is when people do the deaf voice at me, <gasps> oh, oh yeah, hasn't happened in a while, but sometimes people think it's real funny um, to if, if I can't hear something to either wave their hands in my face um, as if to make sign language at me um, or or to to do what's you know commonly known as the quote unquote deaf voice, which is just a very um, muffled, non-distinct. Um, utterance of sounds um, that's really, really horrible. Mm-hmm. And and then I, you know, you're inevitably put in the position to either get in someone's face and be like, that's not okay, which is fun when you're in a rehearsal process and everything's supposed to be kosher. Um, <laughs> or, you know, laugh it off and, and be like, you know, today I'm not willing to die on that hill. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. That's the thing. So, along those lines, what are some of the challenges that you have to face dealing with um, other artists who may not understand what you're going through or how to navigate and communicate uh, within those kind of different interweaving spheres? Sure. Uh, Okay, so with director hat on, it's a lot easier because I can go in and, um, and I mean, I've been working in Dallas theater for almost 20 years. And so there's not a lot of people who, on the design side uh, and the producing side, that don't know that that's a thing for me. Um, And it's usually something I bring up as soon as I get hired, uh, if they don't know. Um, I also have, I, I can't direct without an assistant director because um, I need someone in the rehearsal process and in especially in tech uh, to be my ears for me because my sound designer will be like, what do you think of those crickets? And I'll be like, crickets? What crickets? I had no idea. Um, so so that's um, imperative for me to be able to function as a director. As an actor, uh, oh wait, no, back in tr- backtrack. Uh, I also, at the first rehearsal, will make sure that I say to everybody at the table, um, you know, heads up, uh, I'm deaf, and so if I ever seem like I'm not listening to you, it genuinely is me just not hearing you, and it is not offensive to me at all to yell at me, um, stomp the floor, hit the table, get do what you need to do to get my attention, because, like, that's part of my life, you know, um, and that's not offensive to me. Uh, and so that usually takes care of it. When I'm an actor, it's a different story because you're sitting around the table and, it, you know, if you haven't necessarily brought it up with the director ahead of time, you're not really in a position when you're one of an ensemble to be like, like you are in a position to pretty much say, you know, hi, I'm Marianne Galloway and I'm playing Shrek. 
Um, and love uh, <laughs> dreams. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, like an I'm totally. Kidding. I would pay so much money though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's challenging to be like, you know, I'm Marianne Galloway and heads up, you know, what it's really easy for me to say as a director, it's not quite so easy for me to say as an actor, um, because the forum generally isn't there. So I kind of take it, you know, one-on-one with individual people and just say, well, if you don't know, mm-hmm. most, most people know by this time. Yeah, but, you know, new people that I work with. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like because um, I only I've only lived in Dallas for about three years now, and you know, started my journey as an actress here, and then within a year developed um, my um, autoimmune disease, which started really affecting my mobility, and I was very much like a physical actress and like sort of like comedic relief. Or, um, you know, there was always some sort of movement involved. And so I really had to learn, I sort of had to relearn my body mm-hmm. and relearn how I can tell stories. Um, and I, I really also had to learn how do I let the people leading this rehearsal room know if I'm hurting. Yeah. Because I don't. Because me, being the person who's constantly worried about, oh, do they think that I'm being a diva? Or do they think that I'm, like, being difficult? How do I best let them know, like, no, I'm not getting frustrated. I'm just in a lot of pain. Right. And because my inflammation's in my spine, it also affects the way that I see light. Oh, wow. And so tech rehearsals are really hard. I'll start seeing spots. And there was... um, the, the last play that I was in, um, they actually hired an understudy for me, which came in handy because the very last night, our closing night performance, I started seeing spots. I was in tons of pain. <sighs> the understudy was fantastic. She just went on. The audience would have never, ever, ever, ever known. Um, and that particular play, there was stairs that I had to, well, not even stairs, it was like this huge bookshelf and I come down from the window with a puppet and I have to like climb down the stairs with this puppet and, oh, it would have been so dangerous because at that point when there's so much inflammation of my spine, it looks like I'm seeing through tissue paper. Oh my God. Um, So just having someone who makes you feel safe and is willing to accommodate some of the small things that you need like that, like... That, that was that was huge for me and it was a huge um, lesson for myself as well that not only is it you know good for my own safety to let people know about what I'm experiencing it's good for other people's safety yeah as well um, and I think it's um, a respect thing as well for your, your scene partners on stage to let them know like hey I'm receiving what you're giving me I'm just experiencing this right now right you know um and letting everyone know who's a part of your ensemble what's going on because right. it's all you know it's all a team it's mm-hmm. like a team sport um yeah. when you're on a stage together so yeah yeah absolutely fascinating and marianne i remember 
during Revolutionist, you had kind of a horror story that happened during one of the shows. I did. Did you have a hearing aid fallout during that? So many horror stories. Really? Oh, not with revolutionists. No, revolutionists was a dream. Revolutionists was a dream. Uh, no, but across the board, like you know, oh over twenty goodness. years, there are many horror stories. And I was like, which horror story are you talking about? <laughs> um, okay, so many wonderful stories as well, um, but those aren't fun to talk about. So uh, yeah, oh my god, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> I should have thought about that before I got on. Uh, I just recording device. I remember you put it on Facebook, and as as a hearing person, I read that and I went, "Oh my goodness! I never thought that that would be. I, I never thought about that." And I went, "This badass woman. <laughs> I can barely do a show sometimes, like like as, as a hearing person and and give a good performance. And and you I, had a hearing aid fall. I wish you know what I wish. Yeah. Sky Williams, I think, was the one who was on stage with me at the time. It, it could be, it could be wrong. It, it may have been Jennifer Kendrick. This is how I mean. I can't remember things I said five minutes ago, which is why you should totally edit this podcast. Um, <laughs> but like, I literally, I'm like, oh yeah, I have a vague recollection of that happening. But there's been so much that's happened since then mm-hmm. that I'm like. Oh my god! But I bet you anything that Sky or Jen would remember that vividly because I was probably looking at them really strangely. <laughs> what did I put on Facebook? I don't know. Do Do we need to pause and go check it? I haven't been on Facebook since February. Um, I mean, like I go on to like update my show thing, but I'm, I'm detoxing. Oh, uh, which is good. Media. Uh, yeah. That's probably Mandy why Raquel, our, our secretary for T Talks, would, would you go back and, and see if you could find it? I can. Hi, Mandy. Hi. Awesome. <laughs> Mandy is, is part of me, so she is. <laughs> she is. That's right. Even when she's not physically there. I yeah. love it. Now she's physically here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the disembodied laughing is with me. Uh, it's good to have an audience. But yeah, no, you know what, like, in relation to that, though, um, I did a production of Children of a Lesser God in which um, mm-hmm. I played Sarah Norman, who is completely deaf. Yes. And so mm-hmm. I had to not wear my hearing aids during that show because my mm-hmm. hair was up. Um, and the, you know, the front row of the theater would have been able to see them mm-hmm. um, if, if they chose to look at my ears, which, you know. They would get bored. Um, And so uh, when we went into rehearsals, uh, there there was like the first rehearsal where I had to take them out and I had to be in a rehearsal environment without what's become my crutch. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a particularly magical experience to go through because the show is so deaf centric Mm -hmm. that... um, we had, you know, two ASL coaches. We had um, the entire cast was just very aware, um, and just all, all the accommodations that you could possibly wish for in a situation where, you know, you're doing theater with mm-hmm. with a, a disability um, were there, and it was it was magical. And and when it closed, I I mean I was devastated. I mean there's like there's like sadness when shows mm-hmm. that we love close, and then this there was this world that 
I'm going to cry talking about it. Mm -hmm. There was this world that I could function at a level that I had never been able to function before. And um, and it had to go away. So, oh, excuse me. Hold your hand. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I know this is like being recorded, so this is a big gap of air, but I don't know what else to say about that. But that... Uh, going going through the process of um, removing the hearing aids and then having my scene partners like mm. like they knew I, I would say okay I'm going offline you know and <laughs> um, and I'd take them out and uh, they just everybody even even the crew knew to like have my face if they were talking to me because I could read their lips but if they were making noise I wouldn't be able to hear them mm. um, and you know uh, when when you expend the amount of energy that I have to expend um, to compensate for that in um, your average job, and, and that becomes normal, you know, like it's not like the, the burden of communication is on me, like I'm the one with the thing functioning in an environment that is primarily hearing, you know, um, but when when those accommodations are made it is it is extraordinary you know there have been um shows where like i over the years i've become um much more of i think what you were talking about debbie which is being an advocate for yourself mm -hmm. and um you know being able to ask for cue lights and being able to ask for you know if i can't hear a line on stage that's my cue i have to ask for a cue light and sometimes people are going to be like oh most times people are like, we'll get you your cue light. <laughs> Who cares how many dimmers we have? We'll make it happen. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You just don't apologize. Yeah. That's what this is for. That's so incredible, though, too, because it's like they got to live in your world for a little while rather than you having to live in their world. Yeah, you know? I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was magical. It was it was wow. oh yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll never forget that. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to do that show again for years, just to like recreate that yeah. thing. And I'm like, you know what? Stop doing that, Galloway. Like it's it's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's no matter where else I do that show, it's not gonna mm -hmm. be. You know, it would be its own special thing, but it's not gonna be that special thing. Mm -hmm. So, and that's okay. Yeah. Like. That kind of brings up, though, a, a thing that I, I was thinking about when you were talking, Debbie, about, like, the grieving process. Mm. Like, you were trained to be a theater artist, you know, so, and you said that, you know, you no longer identify as a theater artist. Yeah. But, you know, you're, like, you went through the process of rediscovering your body, and you went through, you know, doing this last show. What happens in the, in the process of making that decision to you know, leave that behind and walk forward yeah. onto whatever road lies ahead. Yeah, I well, thank you for asking about that because, um, yeah, because I, when I thought about my future, I was very much like, like, you guys, I'm like an Enneagram 3, I'm a Capricorn, like, I am a goal setter mm -hmm. to the max, and I had just, like, such a vivid vision of my future self. And maybe that's that's what hurt me so bad in the long run. But if you asked me if there was anything else I wanted to do in the world, I would say, no, you're crazy. It's theater. Right. And to now be able to say, no, I'm not a theater artist. Like, that's not my 
that's not in my artistic tool belt anymore by choice. Right. Um, it was really just a lot of different layers of trauma. Um, you know, whenever I started facing um, the trauma from the sexual, you know, sexual assault that I endured by someone who had a lot of power in our theater community, that's when I felt like my body broke. Right. Um, there was one day I remember I was at work and I was about to walk up a flight of stairs and I realized I can't do this. This is going to hurt. And I did it anyway and it felt like I had like tendons and bones just like tearing. It hurt oh so bad. And the more that I tried to face that trauma, the more my body felt like it was breaking and just, just all that stress. And so I found a new place that I thought was going to be a safe place and um, it, it became what I feel like was the death of my career. Um, and so I physically just had to, I had to tell myself, no, like this isn't the safest place for me right now. There's a lot of really wonderful people in the theater community, sure, don't get me wrong, but sure. I think I've faced a lot of the, the ones who need to work on themselves a little more. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I got caught up in that, like, there's this trend now in our in our society that we're in when it's like if someone's not actively like busting their butt working constantly mm-hmm. you're not doing enough like, uh-huh. like it's it's fashionable <laughs> to be fatigued and tired all the time yes. and it's like a competition of oh well yes well I'm working this full day job and then I go directly to rehearsals and then I stay until then and I go back to my day job yeah like that's it's a thing to it was a thing to brag about and I got caught in that and it hurt me and I wasn't sleeping enough and I it's um having um you know this physical um disability as well as a neurological disability with the seizures my memory started being affected by that. I was finding that I couldn't memorize my lines as well as I used to. Um, I'd be in rehearsal and I would just blink. Which is terrifying. Oh, it's terrifying. Um, It happens as you age, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not alone. No. no. (laughs) But I just just found that it wasn't worth my my energy or my health anymore um, and that it just... it's not the right industry for me. Um, and to be able to say that, um, and just, you know, a year ago, having, have, you know, the Debbie a year ago would have slapped this Debbie across the face, said, no, get it together, work harder, this is your future. But right. I found so much more healing in photography than I ever have in theater. That's amazing. I can, I can focus my energy on the art that I want to make. Yeah. And I felt like I was... Um, wasting my energy and my health on, on making somebody else's art that wasn't really true to myself. Yeah. Mm. Um, and while I love the theater industry and all of the wonderful people that are in it, it just, it, it wasn't for me what I think it was for a lot of other people. So, so it's, I'm retired. <laughs> it's brutal. It's hard. It is. It's brutal. Yeah. And especially even without a disability, just as a young 
woman in her 20s who, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people might find cutesy, you know, the ingenue. I got, I got hurt. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I got hurt. It's, mm -hmm. there's, there's not a lot of, uh, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of help for young artists, disability or, or otherwise, to, you know, quote unquote, break in. Like there's no, mm -hmm. like you're just kind of thrown into the, the blender and it's like, you know, you might swirl against some wolves and good luck to you, mm -hmm. which is horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's just a horrible mm -hmm. way. There, I, but I mean, like I've been, I've been doing this a while now and like I still, uh, come home and tell my husband stories and and he's just like I do not understand your field I do not understand your field like you know I, I went out and did a show in LA and got me tooed I was there for five weeks me tooed three times mm. and I by like high-profile people mm. and I was like are you kidding me like what I literally like I would call my therapist, I'd call my husband, I'd be like, You have got to be kidding me. Like we just like <laughs> So anyway, this is totally off topic. Yeah. But but I'm like, you know, it's not it's not just it's not just youth. It's terrible for youth, but then like mm -hmm. you go on and you think you're progressing your, your career and you're moving forward and then you're you're up against the same crap. Yeah. So he, he's just like it's just your industry. Well, so it's, it's interesting because I, I remember in college, I had a couple of professors tell me, they're like, Debbie, you're going to get out of this small town and you're going to see that there are a lot of other young women, exactly your cast type, exactly this, 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 and it's going to be tough competition. Um, and, but you know, don't worry. Usually when you get into your thirties, everybody else is kind of, you know, um, either given up or they've had enough no's, et cetera, et cetera. But from my experience now, I'm like, hey, I'm almost 30, and I'm the one who was like, nope, not for me. Yeah. I'm like, is that saying really about, like, getting tired of the no's, or is it just getting tired of putting up with crap? <laughs> doing the, doing the things that know. you feel like you're yeah. put in a position to have yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, it's not, I mean, yeah. the, no, the no's suck. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, the Absolutely. no's suck. But it's not just that, it's, it's yeah. everything else too. Yeah. yeah, but theater is also very healing in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's been that, you know, for me in That's, a lot of ways. But, you know, my health at the end of the day and um, navigating this new disability is just, I found a different art form. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, how could leaders in your perspective art fields, and I guess just leaders even in, in the workplace, um, be an advocate and start making these, these changes that we need to make to be better and to grow from there? Have you seen things, and I know we talked briefly about some of the, the stuff with like coming together and listening and making sure that that's like, been a change uh, has helped but is there anything else that we can do i guess as a community to get ourselves going um <clears throat> i don't know about it as a community like i tend mm -hmm. to to not be for a director ironically enough not be able to see the big picture as a community you know like i can see individual you know um projects or individual 
one-on-ones. Um, and the things that I've experienced that have been the most helpful are just somebody asking what I need. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's if, if someone is candid about not knowing um, and, and just reaches out and, and, and opens, the, opens up the dialogue, um, then that empowers me to be able to say, you know, well, here, here's what's helpful. Here's what, you know, what might be easy. Here's what would be fantastic. Um, and here's, here's a pipe dream. Um, and, but sometimes, you know, it, it, that, that's, all, that's all it takes. And that's a one-on-one thing. That's, that's a one-on-one for arts leadership. That's a one-on-one for um, artist to artist, whether you're an actor in a scene with another actor. Um, or or a designer working with an you know a costume designer you know like uh, maybe maybe don't put me in a big headdress that's going to cover up my hearing aids let's yeah. think about that you know <laughs> like they're they're just things that you don't necessarily think about thinking about but if you ask hey what considerations might I need to take in then I'm I believe me I've thought of all of them um, so so let's let's talk that that's for me Debbie what about you yeah no dialogue that's dialogue. the biggest thing dialogue and then using that dialogue as something useful and I think also um, letting someone with a disability in the room lead the perspective Mm -hmm. on how you can make it a better, more comfortable place. I remember, so I just started my first corporate job ever. I've never worked in like the for-profit world. I've always only worked nonprofit arts um, and I remember when I started I had talked to the supervisors and um, my boss just about what I was going through about you know like lighting um, here's my seizure plan of action you know people don't crowd me because when I come to you're all gonna look like space robots I'm not gonna know who's surrounding <laughs> me your voice sounds like demons when I'm having a seizure Oh. oh, it's it's scary. It's, it yeah. feels like you've been sucked into a TV and you're like in the static. It's so oh scary. God. And so, you know, when someone's having a seizure, the best thing to do is just let them have a seizure. Right. Don't call 911. Don't draw attention to them. And so I was giving them sort of my plan of action, who, who is, you know, I'm comfortable with if um, I need some sort of care. Um, and so, you know, they, they thanked me for sharing that. And then like, the big boss of our department just came and sat next to me and he says, and he's like this, so I'm 5'2", tiny human, child size, and this guy, like seven foot tall, looks like he used to play like professional football, just comes down and like sits next to my chair and he's like, hey, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, I have seizures too and I just wanted to let you know like, you're not alone. I understand how scary it is. And he was like, and believe me, when you're bigger, you fall harder. So <laughs> you make a louder noise and everyone knows you're having a seizure. <laughs> um, and uh, he said, my first seizure, I was in the middle of a liquor store and an entire um, <laughs> an entire shelf fell down. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was like, that was my first seizure. So, <laughs> and he was in his 20s when it happened, too. So... Um, but it made me feel so good to know that a person in leadership knew exactly what I was going through Mm -hmm. and having that voice be a part of the leadership and a part of the decision making 
made me feel so safe. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how that translates to the artistic world, um, but I, I think we could be me- could be making better efforts to have a platform for people with disabilities to be leading a room, mm-hmm. um, especially if there's someone in the room who is affected by any kind of disability and mm-hmm. has to navigate the rehearsal room differently or a photography studio differently. Um, I just think there's something we could be doing better there. I think we're making good steps, um, but I do think there's more steps we could we could be taking. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as we start winding down, because uh, we're almost at the hour mark, the time Ooh, is well, wow, wow, yeah. I tend um, to talk a lot. Sorry. No, it's oh, all been wonderful. Oh, oh, talking the podcast. Oh, oops. Yeah, um, this has just been a wonderful conversation. Um, if there is anything that you could uh, give in terms of advice to your younger self or to somebody in your situation or um, just what would you want to have heard when you were growing up or when you were first starting with your disability, if you have anything like that that you would like to share, this is this would be a good time to, to do that. I think... Um you know, when I first started, I hid uh, the fact that I couldn't hear because um, I was, I feel rightfully afraid that people were going to decide what I could and couldn't do. And, um, and when you're young, that's a, that's, you're, you're very vulnerable to that. Um, and I... You know, like, in in retrospect, I don't know that I would have given my younger self any different advice because I don't think when I was coming up that I could have come out of the gate and said, you know, this is, is, I've got a little something extra that y'all got to deal with. (laughs) Um, But in the world that we live in today, uh, if, if I was... 20 something and coming into to it today I would I would tell myself you know no like you you need to learn to advocate for yourself own your truth don't hide it you know like I I know part of the reason why I'm a good actress is because I spent 20 some odd years pretending that I could hear and so when you practice something for 10,000 hours you become good at it um and but it's not it's not worth it the amount of stress that it's under to try to parade as something that you're not in the long run in the big picture not having anything to do with a career it's not it's not worth it um, so just to just to have more confidence and and own own who you are what about you Debbie I feel like I want someone to ask me that question in five years. You know, Um, I think if I could give advice to someone who's just starting their journey, maybe with a newly diagnosed disability, um, where, you know, you used to be able to do these one things and now you can no longer do that. And that was, that was, those were your tools. You know, it's like, if you're a trumpet player and you have one trumpet you can ever use and like, it, it, 
breaks. Um, I, I would tell them to, what else do you got? What else can you use? Yeah. You know, if you're like, okay, that doesn't work, but hey, what other notes can you play except right. for that, that other one that's broken? Um, you know, be innovative. And if your art's something you're really serious about, um, rearrange, adapt, but just don't hurt yourself while you're doing it. Yeah. Know your limits and protect your health. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But keep Mental playing your tune, whatever tunes you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's not a one road yeah. journey. Mm-hmm. It branches off in a million different yeah. ways. Yeah. Does current Debbie have something that they would like to say to five years from now, Debbie? Um, oh, so Debbie in the future. Yeah. <laughs> five year old, five year Debbie from now is going to be like, hey, little Deb, <laughs> you were a badass and you didn't even know it. <laughs> oh, do you have to bleep that out or no? No, no, no okay. can say it. <laughs> Sorry, PG-13. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think she'll say you're, you're strong and, um, thank you for making me who I am today. Awesome. Well, hopefully we can ask you that question in five years. Yeah. I hope you're still my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Liv, do you have anything? I don't. This has been an incredible conversation, and I'm just really grateful that our guests were here today. Likewise. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for being real with us. And um, as always, you know, um, that's (laughs) that's the the tea. tea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I had to single her to look at.